Did you know that most vitamin D3 supplements come from sheep's wool? I'm Kat, founder of Ritual. We're making traceability the new standard for the supplement industry. When I was pregnant, I couldn't find a multivitamin I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested, and clean label project certified. Oh, and our vitamin D3? It comes from sustainably harvested lichen from England, not sheep. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the fin side. Thank you, Solo D. Welcome to another episode of On the Fin Side here with Kat. And uh, Paul's not with us today, but uh, we do have Derek Havens from PatsFans.com. We're going to take a look at week one of the NFL season. The Miami Dolphins traveled to New England to play the Patriots, a rematch of the week 17 game last year. Um, You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. I'm Brian Cat NFL on Twitter, and Paul is fanatic. That's fanatic with a PH underscore peck. So, Derek, you know, we were talking a little bit uh, before we jumped on here, just a really odd offseason for, for a lot of reasons. Um, you definitely one for the Pats, both in terms of everything going on out there in the world, as well as such roster overturn. I mean, this is going to be the first time in almost 20 years that you're not starting the season with Tom Brady, a quarterback. Yeah, definitely, Kat. I mean, it's been one of those things that uh, it's been a, a lot more turnover than years past, as you alluded to. Usually the Patriots, they they always have had a lot of moving parts with veterans kind of filtering in and out and saving a couple of years here. And maybe guys who have not really panned out like many thought they would would come you know, kind of rebirth their careers in New England. But now you have that case with someone under center in Cam Newton, who uh, the NFL, the other 31 teams kind of wrote off. Uh, you know, the Patriots were willing to give him a chance. And, you know, a month later after he signed, he's now uh, the presumed starter has been reported, even though Bill won't confirm it. Cam kind of already did uh, confirm it on a, a radio appearance in Boston. And, and not only is he, you know, going to be under starter, you know, under center to start week one. He's also a team captain, so he's made quite an impression early. But you're you're right, and you're and you're uh, you're thinking that you know this team certainly has a lot more uh, turnover than years past. Hey Derek, uh, you know, just an interesting contract. Uh, Cam Newton signs for one point five million. I think he can get up to about six and a half million, or seven and a half million with incentives. Jared Stidham was expected to be the quarterback a couple of months ago before Newton was signed. Uh, Stidham obviously has, has the injury. How was it from what you heard in training camp with Cam Newton? Is this a job that, that he would have won quite easily over Jared Stidham had he not gotten hurt? Well, you know, Stidham uh, was kind of the guy a lot of people had in mind from the time that Brady announced he was going to Tampa. It was, we were, you know, kind of the fan base, the media, you know, and, and people who, you know, watch, you know, the NFL across the country were all wondering, will the team make a move of quarterback or will they ride with Stidham? Well, they waited about, you know, 10 weeks or so before Cam was signed. So after about a month or so, I had kind of, Falling in line with the thought that Jared Stidham was going to be a guy. This is someone who they really like. Uh, they like his work ethic. He throws a really nice ball. Um, you know, he came from kind of a archaic Auburn 
uh, offense, and they thought that he could really have some untapped potential there. They've had some pretty good luck with quarterbacks in the middle rounds, um, especially recently. And this is someone who uh, I think the coaching staff still thinks very high of, but I'm just not sure. They, I think two things kind of came in line. For one, Cam came in at a bargain price, uh, also with a big chip on his shoulder. And two, I think they've thought it would behoove Stidham to really sit for at least one more year. Now, there's a lot you know, of question remaining about what happens with Cam after the 2020 season. Is this something that could be uh, you know, a, a marriage for a couple more years, or is this kind of a one-year rental? And that remains to be seen. But yeah, the Cam Newton surprising, or the Cam Newton signing was surprising to me based on the timing. If it happened a little earlier, it would have been a little less so. But the fact it happened as late as it did, and now has kind of matriculated into him being starter week one, uh, I, I thought the timing was the most intriguing part of that whole story. And his his offensive personnel is going to look maybe a little bit differently than we thought, too. Damian Harris, who was emerging, according to reports, uh, at, at the running back spot, has been placed on injured reserve, so he's going to be uh, out for the season. Um, Sony Michelle is expected to get a, a, um, a giant uh, chunk of the work. Uh, also, James White in there, one of the best third down backs in the league. How do you see the carries getting divvied up on Sunday? Well, it's fascinating. As you alluded to, I mean, Damian Harris had a really strong camp. Sony Michelle had an off-season procedure done. It was a lower it was a lower leg issue, and they were kind of monitoring that. A little disappointing that he had to have uh, a procedure done there because he hasn't really quite lived up to his first-round billing. He's been very productive, had a great postseason run um, in his rookie year, but it's been a little bit I, in my eyes, a little underwhelming just based off his draft position and what he kind of showcased at Georgia. Uh, so Damian Harris, uh, the second-year running back from Alabama, really stepped up. Uh, he did have um, surgery on his, I believe, his pinky finger on his hand. And uh, with the IR rules a little different this year, he's going to miss probably three to six weeks. I think it's going to be closer to a month. Uh, mm-hmm. But we'll see how that falls. But like you said, I mean, the Patriots and Bill Belichick really like the running back by committee style. Uh, you're going to see Sony Michelle get some carries. I expect Rex Burkhead to get a lot of run in this game as Michelle kind of ramps it up. And then James White, of course, will be kind of his steady Eddie self on that third down and obvious passing situations. It would not surprise me to see multiple backs in the backfield at one time, especially with what we're all kind of waiting to see is what this new look Patriots offense you know, what it looks like with Cam under center instead of number 12. You bet. And at wide receiver and tight end, you know, at least a big surprise to me, Muhammad Sanu gets cut here a couple of weeks ago. So it looks like uh, they're, they're going to go into the season with, uh, with Julian Edelman as their number one guy again. And at the tight end spot, they drafted a, a, Two tight ends, uh, Devin Asiasi from UCLA and Dalton Keene from Virginia Tech. You know, it's after, I mean, it's about time the Patriots got some some more tight ends in there other than Rob Gronkowski. I, I, wh- who do you see getting the most targets? And a second question, were you surprised by Mohamed Sanu getting cut? I wasn't totally surprised with the Mohamed Sanu situation because I knew that with the youth movement they've kind of had with their pass catchers, his price tag of six and a half million or so on the, on the books that was not guaranteed 
uh, I thought that he'd have to have a pretty strong camp. Now, him and Cam Newton have developed quite a rapport together, but and he had no problem catching the ball, but separation has been an issue. So I think they looked at it and said, you know, Sanu's solid, but we can get more bigger bank for our buck. I think they're looking for kind of just seeing what the younger guys can do. Now, Edelman, as you said, uh, is the number one guy. I think him and Cam Newton should gel together pretty well. They've had a pretty good chemistry building so far. Uh, but the question with Edelman is, look, he's no spring chicken anymore, and he's dealt with a lot of injuries, especially last year. He absolutely battled to get through the season. He really looked kind of like a shell of himself towards the end of the season, especially in that Titans playoff loss last season where it comes out, you know, he's had a really bad knee injury and shoulder injury he was playing through, and it looked like it. And you have Nikhil Harry, your second-round or uh, second-year player, uh, who was a former first-round pick out of Arizona State, and the Patriots are looking for him to take a significant jump. Uh, Jacoby Myers and uh, Gunnar Olszewski, two guys who've kind of fought their way onto their roster and have both shown some promise here. And uh, Demir Bird, who's had some experience uh, in Carolina, Arizona, um, and he's had some splashes. But him and Cam have also developed a good chemistry so far in camp, and that brings them a little bit more of an element of speed that this team really has not had. Um, and as far as the tight ends go, I, I really do think Devin Asiasi will, maybe not from the very get-go, see, you know, week one, but think progressively throughout the season, he will emerge as the primary uh, pass-catching uh, tight end for this team. And he does a lot of things that has fit tight ends that Camus had sex, uh, successful with in the past. You know, I'm not saying he's Greg Olson, but if you look back to what he did at UCLA, he did a lot of things that Cam Newton uh, had Greg Olson do uh, with the Panthers. So I think they could be looking to do some of those similar things. And uh, he's been really good throughout camp where Dalton King's been more of like your H-back. I think they're going to move him around a bit. I Mm -hmm. think he'll come along a little bit slower, a little more slowly. And also such a big part, with Cam Newton is, is keeping, keeping him upright and, and giving him time to throw a couple of changes with the Patriots offensive line, but the big one is Marcus Cannon opting out for the year and rightfully so because of the illness that he had uh, at, at TCU. Gosh, I think it's been almost 10 years since he was drafted now. Um, it, it looks like I believe Jer- Jermaine Illuminor is going to be your starting right tackle. Uh, how, how do you see that offensive line shaping up there for for the Patriots heading into 2020? Well, it's it's interesting. You know, Illuminor at the right tackle position, is assuming he gets the start, is going to be the biggest question mark, and how he performs will ultimately be a big factor in the season overall. Isaiah Wynn has missed a lot of time in his first two years at left tackle, but he's been really good as long as he's been on the field and healthy. Joe Tooney, who they franchise tag at left guard, is a tremendously durable player, really solid. David, David Andrews at center. Uh, another very good, uh, you know, very good, solid uh, player, but he had missed last season with blood clots in his lungs, a real scary situation, but he's good to go at center. And Shaq Mason, one of the better guards, who had a little bit of a slump last season, um, at, cer- certainly more at the beginning of the year, finished a little stronger. But from left tackle to right guard, they're pretty solid there. Uh, the right tackle position is the biggest one that I'll be kind of monitoring the first, at least the first few weeks and probably the whole season I wonder especially early if Brian Flores and Miami Dolphins if they kind of maybe target him a little bit and overload that right side maybe New England will have to have some help with the tight end there 
Um, their, their starting tight end, Ryan Izzo, um, who's a little more experienced than Devin Asiasi, I would expect to see him on that right tackle side just with a little bit of help um, with this offense kind of getting underway. You bet. Yeah, that's going to be an interesting one to watch if Illuminor gets a start. He, he should be going up against Emmanuel Agba. And, yeah, that, that could be a tall task uh, there. So we might see Ryan Izzo, like you said, um, chipping in and, and maybe getting some double team there. On the defensive side of the ball here, Derek, obviously in week 17 of, of last year when the Dolphins and Patriots matched up, the the big story was, you know, Defensive MVP uh, Stefan Gilmore having one of the worst games of his career against Devontae Parker, who who had one of the best games of his career. And I know that's been talked about quite a bit here in the offseason and with the Dolphins playing the Patriots twice this year. So what is your takeaway here? Has there been any talk about, you know, Stefan Gilmore really wants to come out and, and redeem himself? Or has it been just like, eh, defensive player of the year, he's going to bounce back? Well, it's interesting because Stephon Gilmore, I would say, a little bit different than a lot of the big-time cornerbacks in the NFL. He does a lot of his talking kind of on the field, really quiet, kind of a quiet guy, very uh, quiet confidence. Uh, I think he's he has a great uh, perspective when it comes to kind of leaving, you know, last play or last week out of sight, out of mind. Um, he's going to come prepared. He's going to be ready. But, yeah, Devontae Parker had a phenomenal game. Um, against him last year, and uh, really, I th- I do think that it will be a point of contention to try to, uh, you know, I guess redeem himself and start the year off the right foot. I mean, but he he's looked just absolutely incredible through training camp. Uh, he he no one no one beats Stephon Gilmore, and maybe that maybe that you know gives a a lot of credit to him, and maybe that says something about the wide receiver core too. You know, and that will be that will be uh, one of those things that we learn in time, but. But one of the biggest strengths, if not the biggest strength of this team uh, for New England is that defensive back group. Even with Patrick Chung opting out, they're very deep at cornerback and uh, and safety. They have a lot of good players that they feel they can match up well with pretty much any offense in the league. And uh, I think their their depth will be shown throughout the year. They have uh, a couple of guys uh, that are really kind of chomping at the bit to prove that, uh, you know, that it's not just Stephon Gilmore, like J.C. Jackson, who's been a really good young player for them at the cornerback position, among others. So I'll be curious to see uh, how they how they progress throughout the year as well. Yeah, not just Gilmore against Parker, but you're going to have Preston Williams against Jason McCourty out there on the boundary. That's going to be a good matchup. Uh, J.C. Jackson, like you said, is going to go up. He may see a lot of Mike Kosicki if, they, if the Dolphins use – of that big tight end look uh, in, in the slot, which they're expected to do there with Jan Gailey. Um, you mentioned uh, Patrick Chung, and uh, nobody was hit harder than the Patriots, as you know, by uh, by these opt-outs here. They they lose strong safety Patrick Chung, and they lose linebacker Dante Hightower. But in the NFL draft in the second and third rounds, they come out they come away with safety Kyle Duggar. Uh, a real big kid, and and from all reports, he's looking very promising. Um, Josh Uche from Michigan, as well as Anthony Jennings from Alabama. So uh, how do you see these youngsters replacing the snaps that that Hightower and and Patrick Chung are leaving behind? Well, it's going to be a tall task. It's tough for rookies to make that adjustment right away into the NFL, and 
usually, especially with, you know, Bill Belichick led teams, they're kind of eased in slowly. And that's not really going to, they're not going to be afforded that case, especially in the front seven. Duggar, they do have some, some safety depth. And uh, I think they feel pretty good about that. Duggar, I'll be really interested to see how many reps he gets and how they work him in. But he has been really impressive, especially coming from Lenore Ryan, D2, a little bit, uh, kind of came onto the scene. Whisper started in about Indy, you know, right around the, the, the combine. And then he really exploded um, through a lot of people's draft boards. And his his uh, athleticism has just been off the charts. And he's been a fun player to watch. It, it, it's all going to become come down to uh, how much he – can, how fast he can acclimate himself to the defensive playbook and get himself ready in meetings, which is pretty much impossible for us to know. But uh, it's, oftentimes with Bill, it's really not what he says, it's what he shows you. So I'll be curious to see how that unplay, you know, kind of unfolds. But the front seven has a lot of turnover. As you mentioned, Hightower opts out. Uh, Jamie Collins heads to Detroit. Kyle Van Noy heads to Miami. And now you're looking to replace your basically entire, you know, linebacking group there. So with Anthony Jennings, he's a really interesting guy, had some had some, had an injury issue back in college, but he's been pretty strong uh in camp at times. Uh but Uche's really been the story. He's someone who's made a lot of impactful plays. I think he's gonna get the most run of any rookie from the from the jump. And uh he's someone who they really like his versatility, his mentality. Um, his understanding of of his position and also the positions around him, which Bill has a high um, affinity for, you know, not just knowing your role, but also the roles of others around you on that defense. And Uche's been really, really impressive in camp. I think that there's a lot of buzz about him entering this season. But, you know, to your original point, replacing someone like Patrick Chung, who's been so good in his role, especially with his second stint on the team, uh, you know, because he started in New England, went to the Eagles, and then came back. And then with Dante Hightower, who's made so many incredible plays, especially in the postseason for this team over the past several years since being drafted by the team, you know, several years ago. Uh, it's it's hard to replace those guys, truly. But I think they're, it's not going to be just one guy. It's going to be a, a multiple multiple people stepping up into those roles. Yeah, and you never know what Bill Belichick's going to do. And, uh, you know, I, I hated when they drafted Josh Uche uh, almost as much as I hated when, when they drafted Chase Winovich, uh, his Michigan teammate the year before that. Those are two players I wanted the Dolphins to look at there in the second round. And, of course, they go to the New England Patriots. So uh, they've got some chemistry uh, built up there. So that, that'll be fascinating to watch here. So, Derek, I'll, I'll give you a date here. October 27th, 2002, this was the last time the New England Patriots, at least uh, unless you uh, you can correct me on this, the la- it was the last time the Patriots had lost three games in a row at any point during a season or from one season to the next. Shannon Sharp actually caught a touchdown uh, in 2002 when, when the Broncos beat the Patriots. So is there a little bit of a feeling that – this this year is going to be a little bit more of a rebuild, or you know, do do you see the Patriots being contenders again in the AFC East? Well, that's the big question, right? So I I will I'll take your word for it on the date that sounds right to me. Uh, I feel like after yeah, as we talked about with the quarterback situation before the Cam Newton signing, it looked like they were going to roll with Stidham and a lot of the young guys 
on the team and I guess trend towards more of a rebuild as they look to see what they have in quarterback and other positions around them. Though, you know, after Cam was signed, it, it kind of became a question of, well, you know, they're going to look to try to stay competitive and kind of rebuild and retool as they go along. And a lot of that obviously is going to be depending on health, right? So it, is Cam going to be able to stay healthy for all 16 games? How does the offense look? Don't forget, this is an offense that last year was pretty abysmal from start to finish of the year. I know they started out, they being the Patriots, really strong last year, but it wasn't, it didn't always look pretty. And the defense and special teams units, which are both exceptional and still are this season, I, it was, they kind of carried that offense a lot and put them in positions to succeed. This year, the offense, it's going to be really under a microscope, especially with how it's going to look different. I think the philosophy and the terminology will all remain relatively the same, but it's going to have to shift and be different than what it has been the past 20 years or so. And so it's going to really come down to, again, how fast Cam can take it under, uh, you know, can take it under his belt. And by all accounts, he's doing the right things, saying the right things. It seems like he's getting a lot of praise from the coaching staff and from his teammates as well. It, but, all, you know, all that is really kind of just talk until it's done on the field. So the offense is going to be the biggest thing under the microscope for me uh, it, it, throughout the whole season. And uh, they're going to have to find a way to just make it a look a little bit more just easy <laughs> than it did last year. Last year was like they were they were fighting tooth and nail just to get the most simple plays. And it just didn't look like what a Patriots offense had looked like. To, uh, to that point, which is why many of us, including myself, were kind of more pessimistic heading into the postseason because the offense just couldn't figure it out. This year, kind of a clean slate, but they're going to need some young guys to step up in order for this to you know, really get back on, on track here. And whether it's a full rebuild or not, it's, it's pretty much going to be impossible to know until when the season's over because a lot of it could depend on how the Kim situation plays out is it more than a one-year thing? And, you know, does it, did it work on the field? So that's going to be a whole question that we're going to have kind of until the season ends for us. Yeah, and I personally don't think rebuild or tanking is, is in Bill Belichick's vocabulary. Uh, they're going to be competitive and they're going to be a good defensive football team. I mean, the Patriots secondary, as, as you alluded to, you know, 13 touchdowns and 25 interceptions last year. Quarterbacks combined for a quarterback rating of 62.7 against them. I mean, a heck of a defensive backfield that they have, and and they return really everybody except Patrick Young. So, um, yeah, it's it's and I like that the Dolphins have and Brian Flores. They've kind of taken that same philosophy where they want to build a really strong secondary and build the defense from back to front. Um, so, Derek, uh, looking at this game, the Patriots are favored by six and a half points. What is your prediction? Well, yeah, I saw the spread, though, and six and a half did surprise me a little bit. I think Miami's building something pretty strong, and ultimately it will come down to their long-term success will be how Tua plays. Obviously, that's not happening this week. I don't think it's a, a big surprise. Uh, I, I look at this game coming really could come down to the Patriots' front seven, which has seen a lot of turnover, versus maybe Miami's kind of younger building offensive line. and. I'll be kind of curious to see how that matchup looks throughout the game. I, I thought six and a half was a little too big. I do think the Patriots win this by a close one. I think 23-20 
would be probably my prediction right now if you're asking me the score. But I could easily see Miami winning this game. It's honestly, it, I can't remember a time, uh, certainly that I've covered the team, but you know, in the past two decades where I've been unsure of what kind of product we're going to see from the offense as I am going into this week. Uh, how it really plays out will be, again, fascinating to see how it unfolds. I do think the Patriots will get the edge slightly, but Miami, what I think bodes well for Miami, they have a lot more, um, I guess, familiarity with some of the guys on offense. And I wonder, I wonder this for a lot of the teams in the league. I, you know, the teams that have had the less roster turnover, do they, do they get on track faster with no preseason, limited training camp, teams with a higher roster turnover, I just find it to be more difficult, uh, you know, at least from my guessing, you know, just as my estimation. And I just wonder if that's going to be a factor. And I think we'll find that out pretty quickly on Sunday from not just the Patriots and Dolphins game, but also the other 15 games around the league. Yeah, it's going to be a fascinating week one. I mean, I don't think there's any template for this that, I mean, you've got to think there's a feeling out process as far as just getting on the field and getting back into game shake. And yeah, I, I think that it does favor the teams that return a lot of the same players. It also favors the teams that are really well coached because Bill Belichick's not going to accept that as an excuse that, you know, Hey, we're, you know, here, <laughs> we didn't have any preseason games here in August. So yeah, it's, it's going to be a fascinating matchup here. And uh, we're joined by Derek Havens from patsfans.com. Derek, I'll open the floor up to you. Uh, tell, tell us where we can find you and what you've got going on. Well, I appreciate that. Again, it's great uh, always coming on here. You guys do a great show. And, um, again, really looking forward to this to this week one coming up. Just I was saying to you prior to us going live here that it, it feels like it's we're, we're ready for football, but it also kind of the season did creep up on us a little bit with everything going on in the world. So it, I'm looking forward to seeing the guys back out on the field in action, um, seeing how this team uh, with the Patriots kind of battles, you know, all the turnovers that they've had and, and some of these new guys, uh, as far as where you can find me again, patsfans.com, uh, myself, Russ Goldman and Steve Valcheri, the three of us have done a, a Patriots podcast for the past eight or nine years now, um, called Patriots fourth and two. You can find us on pretty much any, any platform, you know, Spotify, Apple Music, et cetera, um, Google Play. And uh, then again, on PatsFans.com and on Twitter as well, if you want to fight me over my prediction, it's uh, at Patriots Haven, H-A-V as in Victor, E-N as in Nancy. And uh, I will uh, be looking forward to interacting with you guys the rest of the season and seeing how this week one plays out. So I'm curious, uh, fourth and two, I'm sure it's common knowledge for Patriots fans. Uh, there is, does that refer to the, the fourth and two play with Kevin Falk against Indianapolis? Yeah, so that, that name did arrive from that. We started the podcast uh, after, the season after um, that, and that was based on just basically kind of critical thinking and dissecting decision-making of the team, uh, you know, whether it's good or bad, obviously, you know, belt, you know, going back to that game where Belichick elected to gamble and wanted to keep the ball out of Peyton Manning's hands and, and felt, you know, pretty strongly about his chances and they fell up short. So we thought that that was a, even though it does seem we've, we've gone back and forth about changing the name uh, every once in a while, but it does come back to basically just analyzing the team's decisions both on and off the field. Uh, and that's kind of where we arrived at that name. Well, I like it. And uh, it's, 
you know, when you when you've won six Super Bowls, you could you could afford to laugh at yourself a little bit. Uh, so <laughs> no question. Derek, I don't think uh, thanks. Bad for us. <laughs> so it's yeah, okay. yeah. oh, 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 you you get no sympathy on this show. I I promise you that. I uh, I, I wouldn't been, expect anything less. <laughs> it's, it's been uh it's been since high school that uh, the Patriots have been bad. Uh, back in uh, the Bledsoe's last year, I remember thinking uh, when when the Patriots were five and eleven in Belichick's first year, and then they started off zero and two the following year. And they lost Drew Bledsoe to the Jets. I remember saying on a on one of my first radio shows I did, uh, "How, if you're Bill Belichick, what do you say to your team right now?" And then the guy goes on to be the best coach in NFL history. So, um, you've enjoyed it here, and uh, you know I, I I really hope the Patriots don't do well, but uh, you know I, I I certainly they certainly have uh, all, all my respect. No no doubt about it. Well, it will be fascinating to see how they play out the season again. And there's a lot. It's a lot different than it has been in years past. Um, I don't. One thing I've learned though is I don't doubt Bill. I mean, I'm not saying he's perfect. He's made plenty of you know mistakes. Even going back to the Muhammad Sanu trade, like we talked about kind of earlier in this in this hit, and uh, you know, but he more than often the you know more often than not he has put his team in in good position to succeed. And I'm I'm curious to see how it kind of plays out. Uh, you know, this coming season as well. But uh, you know, hopefully we'll be able to catch up down the line. Derek Havens joining us from patsfans.com. He's been kind enough to give us a view from the opposing sideline. That will do it for our show here. As we head into week one, Dolphins versus Patriots, you can follow Paul and I on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, iHeartRadio. I'm Brian Kett, NFL. Paul is fanatic underscore pick on Twitter. And if it's not on the right side and it's not on the left side, it's on the fin side. So, D, take us home. It ain't the left side or the right side. And it must be the fin side. side. It ain't the left side, left side or the right, right side. side. And it must be the fin side. Dolphins fans across the land all tuning in to see what Brian Cat and Paul about to do again. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.